Yo, I just mouth trumpeted. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> it was a pretty solid mouth trumpet that he did. Maybe I'll you <laughs> so why did I mouth trumpet Zachy Poo? That's a great question because I actually don't know why you mouth trumpeted, but I know it's a fantastic really? skill that you and I both have. Yeah, I actually don't know. <laughs> oh, it was, we're talking about superheroes. It was like a superhero y. I, at this point in the day, I have zero capacity for abstraction. <laughs> and that's Neil also just like making sense of things that don't make sense to other people. So it's all right. <laughs> I'm rationalizing. All right. It's my, it's my ego defense. So let it make sense to the world, Zachy. What were we going into? That was really cool. <laughs> so like naturally, Neil and I made a pact that we were going to record from the second we got on Zoom with each other every single time, because we would always have these great conversations and then realize that we hadn't been recording and be like, oh shit, like people would have really liked to hear that. Yep. And we weren't so today, recording. Today we hopped on and uh, we didn't do that for for one reason or another. And we ended up having a great conversation, <laughs> like natural. Uh, so we wanted to kind of take you guys a little bit through the gist of what we were talking about. So Neil, how did this come up? Well, there's there's a there's a two part answer to this. The immediate answer was <laughs> poor timing because I started to turn on some Disney Plus and watch some of the latest episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. <laughs> and then Zach messaged me and says, "Hey, I'm ready to record." Oh crap! I thought I had more time. Okay, <laughs> it's go time. <laughs> right when we uh, planned. <laughs> yeah. So that was a part of the transition in, but part of it was also the conversation we we're having earlier about. Actually, I'm gonna let you phrase this because i can't put it out of me get it out of me at all right now put it put the it words out of you, aren't, the words aren't speaking through this mouth that exists <laughs> <laughs> earlier today we were talking about uh technology and commoditization essentially we were talking about a tool that is supposed to help people just to be more mindful and to be less stressed throughout the day and i was kind of on the side of the fence of like we are outsourcing our innate intelligence to um, we're outsourcing our innate intelligence to technology. Um, and I feel like if we continue to use these crutches, we're going to go down a path of the society where we become, uh, where basically the, where we end and technology begins will become consistently more and more blurred. Uh, whereas we have the opportunity to go down a path of tapping into our own natural technologies that exist within us in our DNA. And Neil, you mean you had, you had had some great points in this conversation. Yeah. So I was seeing it on the other lens because I, I mean, ultimately you and I do agree with this. I, we believe in the same ideology that everyone should be dependent on themselves and use their mm -hmm. tools and develop that. My, the other end of this that I was speaking to was these things are also tools, right? They, they can be things that we rely on, but ultimately they're also tools to support us, to allow us to develop that ability to do whatever it is that that technology is meant to do for this thing, something that can support your mood or your focus or your sleep. Um, but we see that we see that it could go in different directions. And that's what you and I were kind of hitting on, right? Mm -hmm. The over-reliance on these things and the lack of the cultivation of our own ability to do them. But then the other end of that coin is lack of the ability to do it and the need of a tool to bridge that and support it and allow us to be able to then do some of these things ourselves. Yeah. I'm glad you said the word bridge because that's really what it is, right? Like, are we going to use these technologies as a bridge 
or are we just going to use them and stay on them? Like, are we going to use them as a bridge or a boat? I guess would be like a way to put it. Uh, and this conversation, or at least the, some of the theme of this conversation transitioned into the one we were just having about like Marvel movies. And somehow we made Marvel movies very philosophical. <laughs> we were talking about uh, essentially depth versus commodity, or rather archetypes versus depth and intimacy. So we were talking about all these, you know, these new Marvel series that are coming out on Disney Plus versus the actual Marvel movies that had come out in the last, you know, era of that superhero phase. And one of the things, pause this really quick and say, and just ask the audience for you, do you like a full-on movie or do you prefer a series? Yeah. That's how because there's some cool stuff that comes out of this. Yeah. So yeah, all right. that's kind of that's how this whole said. thing started, and we ended up on this really deep ass conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the deep ass conversation side of it, Zachy Poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all right. So one of the things that we were talking about was like, okay, in a series, you theoretically have more time to flesh out a character. You have more time to get into the nitty gritty of a story, right? You get to see the person's quirks and their flaws as they make the decisions throughout their life. So you get to see that even though you're watching a superhero, this, this is a flawed human being like we all are in some way. I mean, you could say that we're all perfect, but you know, I think we would all agree that, that we, that we feel like we have flaws. Whereas in a movie, you have less time to flesh things out. So in order to develop a character, you have to take one or two or three hard decision points within a movie and show, because we all understand deep down that like when we're up against the wall and we have to make a hard decision, that's where our character comes out. So the character gets developed by the audience watching two or three really hard decisions get made versus all of these little quirks that kind of get to come out in, in a series, right? And we were kind of talking about archetype versus intimacy, I guess would be the way to put it. All right, Zachy Poo Poo Bear. So what do you say... What is there? Is there any sort of inference we make to the person who loves movies versus the person who loves series? Then, listen. If you're going to keep using big words like inference, I'm gonna I'm gonna get insulted because I don't know what they mean. Disemathon. Disemathon. Throw your name at me. (laughs) Getting mad at your name. (laughs) That just makes me so dang mad. So, like I was saying on break, I don't think you're going to be satisfied with my answer, but I have one. So. I think that there is a capacity for both in all of us, which I know is not the answer you're looking for. But it's one of my the typical answer were, for everything, right? <laughs> so it's, it's like, okay. why not right down the middle? It's both. <laughs> Peanut butter or jelly, why not both? And then, you know, then a miracle was created. So I was talking about this before we got the podcast started, and that's Carl Jung and his work on archetypes or his work in dreams. And he basically says that within the collective human unconscious is a series of archetypes and we all can tap into these. And so that's why we like to read books about heroes and watch movies about heroes because the hero is an archetype. Um, The warrior is an archetype. The magician is an archetype, the fool, uh, whatever the, the succubus or the seductress or anything like that. Like those, these are all archetypes that kind of exist within us. And so we can resonate with archetypes very easily. And this happens at a very kind of brainstem primordial level. So when we watch a movie, like a Marvel movie, and we see somebody who is an exemplar of truth and honor and justice, like a captain America, like we resonate with that beyond the level of logic. 
So it's broadly applicable to all of us as human beings. Then when you move into something like a series, like we get into the more, like we said, intimate kind of nitty gritty choices that a person makes and like who a person is beyond the archetype. And that starts to become more person specific, right? Because you start to get into more like, oh, well, do I like this person? Uh, Like, do do I even resonate with this person at a level of morals or interests or humor or anything like that? Whereas you can all, you can always resonate with the archetype. And that's, that's my answer on that. Right. Cause you see this archetype, it's basically, you're seeing this big character versus if you're looking at the series where you're looking at the series of choices and mm-hmm. all the different decisions they make along the way, where you can be like, Ooh, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Is it a person or is it a facsimile? You know, is it a person or is it a, is it a myth? Why are we talking about fax machines? Hey, Facts, facts, shimmies. Every time I call my stepmom, uh, and her voice mailbox goes, "If you'd like to leave a fax, press four. I I, th- I have a thing that I'm planning to say into the voice mailbox, and then I hear fax, and I'm like, "Those exist still," and it throws off everything that I have planned. <laughs> throws off. I can see in the plan this every time. <laughs> uh, all right. Were you going to say something, or am I? Was there something else that was coming out of your mouth right there? Did I interrupt something? No, no just okay. my love for you, mostly. No, I love you too, baby. Oh, God dang, you're so sweet. You just treat me so well. I have a question that I'm wondering on this topic of archetypes. Do you think there is one singular ar- archetype that is more prevalent in this country? Or do you think there's even spread? God, you know, I wish I knew more about the different archetypes so that I could answer that. I would say that things like, I, I could probably say which ones are less, <laughs> are probably you know less prevalent. And I would think that like the magician and um, the fool are probably less, or like the, the, the end stage of the fool are probably less prevalent in the society. So do you think it's that there are less of them? or there are less people who identify with them because of the connotation. Because mm, everyone wants to be the king or everyone wants to be, you know, the lover. Yeah. No one necessarily I, wants to be that. That's it. Yeah. That's an interesting, I mean, I, I don't really go around asking people what their archetypes are, so I don't know the numbers. <laughs> so I'm going to do I'm that. Hey, what's your original, archetype? What's your archetype? It would be like when a girl's like, Hey, so what you know, time line. were you born? I want to see your star chart. <laughs> and your mom's like break up with her i have so many times almost just put that on my website because it's such a common question <laughs> it's your birth chart you know here you go it doesn't it doesn't say on my uh on my birth certificate what time i was born it's a real it's a real problem for these types of questions it doesn't no it doesn't i feel like i actually do know that that we, that we don't know you you're do know an enigma. enigma yeah you're probably by design <laughs> you are archetypeless and you are birth chartless i'm archetopless damn spring out (laughs) no but so i think like my whole reasoning behind saying like magician and then like i'm gonna call it master fool which i i think is you know a bit of an oxymoron but um the end stage fool the end stage fool is kind of like the sage or the guru that you that you think of it's the it's like the mischievous master who 
pretends or in some, on some level seems very simple and daft, almost like a child, but has this incredibly deep wisdom that comes from spirit. But everything is in some ways a joke and everything is in some ways not taken seriously because there is this metaphysical level of awareness that goes like, this is all just an illusion and this is all just a game anyway. And I feel that very viscerally. So, you know, if my house burns down, I'm just going to laugh about it because like, ha ha ha, like, wow, there's this part of me that's so attached to this, but wow, this is also just so hilarious. Right. And so I don't see much of that in our society, right? People don't want to be the fool, even though many, there are many people in at least this country and probably all over the world who are at the lower level of fool, which it's like just kind of this naivety by choice. So I think this will be, we're going to make this an episode about archetypes and personal character development. (laughs) So (laughs) let's break this down a little bit for, break it down now, y'all. Just to understand, can you explain a little bit about what the archetype is and the progression from, its younger self to the mature type. Yeah. I'm going to preface whatever I say right now by saying like, I, I'm not super well read on archetypes. Like there are neither of us are. It's okay. So we're going to be, I've read the book and I can't remember it. So we're just going to, we're going to be, we're going to be lower level fools on this one. And we're just going to talk about things that we think (laughs) if we say, don't listen to Zach and Neil, don't listen to Zach and Neil. (laughs) But like, keep listening because we like you. (laughs) We like the attention now. So, uh, I'll, yeah, so I'll preface this by saying I don't know a ton about archetypes. I have a I have a like base level knowledge of archetypes, but I can address the second half of your question, where you talk about progression through like these different levels of it. So basically, everything in this reality, or everything in every level of reality, has gradations through which it exists, like gradations in vibration through which it exists. So, for example, um. What's what's something I can take? Uh, like anger. You could take anger up through these different vibrations. So at the lowest level, anger is like malice. Anger is violence. Anger is a you know this deep, unjustified aggression. And it, you move it up into like pure anger. And then as it elevates in vibration, it becomes righteousness, like a self-righteousness. Like I am right and I will prove to you that I'm right. And then eventually what it becomes is justice at some point. It is like looking at the indignation and the wrongs at a, at a level that goes beyond you. It doesn't even matter. You don't even matter anymore. You become a tool for the balancing of the injustices of the world, right? So we can see that through one emotion or through one vibra- through one specific code, we'll put it that way, you take it up and down to these different levels of vibration and it changes qualities of itself, but it remains the same character. And so that's what I mean by saying like the young fool versus the master fool. So I'll share a little bit about that. And Zachy Poo, you know, one of my biggest values is justice mm-hmm. of what's right. And to your example, when at the very, very early stages of my personal development, I was also at a time where I was just not in the greatest place in my life. And I could, I didn't have, I hadn't developed my sense of self yet. I was kind of just stuck in typical life. I was in that phase of myself in my life. And I was also very controlling of a lot of things. Don't do that. That's not right. Don't do that. That's wrong. And really mm-hmm. judgmental of things like that. 
but that was kind of what you're saying. That was the younger expression, the immature expression of this. As I filled into myself, worked through this, it became what it actually was meant to be, a belief in justice of what is right and wrong. And it became more of a powerful mm. value than and you know, a need-based, more kind of egotistical control, whatever that is, um, expression of myself. So, so what I also hear in that is, is something that I had kind of alluded to where it went from, it went from this thing where you had all of this pent up emotion and this belief Mm -hmm. being kind of internalized. And it was almost like it was eating you from the inside out, kind of like a cancer, right? It was like this, this stored energy that needed to go out and express itself, but you wouldn't really express it. So it would like lay dormant inside of you right. and eat at your own emotions and psyche. And then as it evolved, it became something about other people. It became something like you as a tool for expression. So how did that feel or what was that process like going from the, the self reprimand and the judgment into, you know, becoming more of an expression of justice? You know, the first thing, it's not a direct answer to this, but the first thing that comes to mind when you ask this is one of the earlier episodes that you and I have talked about when we talk about dark emotions mm-hmm. and more so like if to explain that, it's it's the things that we view negatively, the emotions, aspects of ourself. And the word that you chose, I think is a very powerful word to describe this progression, right? It eats at you and it wants to come out. When you begin to acknowledge that and give it a voice, it doesn't eat at you as much and it starts to kind of slow down and it nibbles and slows down and it maybe takes a bite here and there and eventually it lets go. And then this thing, maybe you give it a voice, you give it expression, you get, you let it be heard and it becomes full and that little thing can settle in. It's full in its nutrition, it's full in whatever it is. It almost like it's to become this little cocoon and then it gets rebirthed as this beautiful butterfly that is the healthy and mature expression of this thing. And that's what the whole process was. It was, I mean, honestly, it was a healing process, right? Because that's what this mm-hmm. is. It was being able to go through my own personal development, do the shadow work, look at all these things, see it, and to let myself heal through that. And eventually, years and years later, it became just a powerful aspect of myself that just i mean honestly without needing to i don't know know the words i'm trying to bring here what i'm wanting to say is back then i had to consciously try to not do those things and now having gone through the work i've done i don't need to try to be this person that believes in justice. It just is an expression through me. I don't have to try to control this thing. So I don't know what point I'm trying to make here, but I'll just the, just the, the identity permeates you. And as it, as this new ideal is making its way into you, it has to push out the things that are obstructing or that are, that are taking up the space that it wishes to take up. And it pushes those things to the surface. Um, one of the images that I get in my mind when you're talking mm-hmm. about this is like a child who is temperamental, right? A child Ooh, who's that's like a good one, constantly like screaming and yelling yeah. and doing all these, you know, quote unquote, behaving badly to get, you know, to, to get what it wants. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
a lot of the times, I mean, we're at very, very, uh, thin on our patients because, you know, we're sleep deprived from having a kid and we're trying to keep the bills paid and we're trying to feed the kid and we're trying to feed ourselves and maintain our, our own relationship to ourselves and our friends and our spouses and all these different things. And we're drawn in all these different directions. So the simplest solution that we see is bad behavior, punish the behavior, right? But what we actually, what's actually happening is that this child, or in this case, like we're talking about some, some internal emotion, right? And we have a listener who would say that all of these emotions are your inner child, right? And so shout out to that, to that listener. But this, this child <clears throat> is misbehaving because it is perceiving a deficit of love and attention. And its natural proclivity is to gain attention to fill that void, to gain loving attention to fill that void. And it is this, uh, this unhealthy pattern through which it expresses. And you could say that this is like a past life kind of proclivity that's coming forward to be resolved. Or you could say that it's just like this, this soul's natural character kind of coming through, or you could say it's just a kid and they don't know any better. They don't know how to get healthy attention for themselves. Any of these are true. All of them are true. All of them are not the whole truth, right? When instead of punishing this behavior, because when we punish the behavior, all we're doing is adding pain to an, to an pre-existing wound, we're going like, oh, well, you feel a deficiency of level. Let me let me push more non-love at you. When we begin to give more loving attention to the child in this example, or ourselves and our impulses and our emotions and our desires, when they're not behaving poorly, or when they are, it doesn't really matter, but just giving constant love and attention to these things, they begin to go away because the child is misbehaving, quote unquote, in order to get the attention in the first place. So if you are giving loving attention throughout, then there's no need for the behavior. And in fact, the whatever that pain is that exists that is generating that behavior is being seeded with love and subsumed and healed by it. And it sounds like that's kind of what you were experiencing. So for someone who can acknowledge that they there is something that's eating at them a little bit, mm-hmm. this inner child that's wanting to have this tantrum, something that's yelling, how can they hear this and understand what is going on? I'm going to say one word first, and it's that's acceptance. And a lot of people are like, oh, great. Well, what does that, what does that mean? What does acceptance mean? So it means different things depending on where you're at. One of those things is just accepting that there is pain there because because a lot of the time we can have this pain come up and we can either push it away like very directly, like I don't want to feel this right now or I don't want to be this or whatever, or we can push it away in a more insidious kind of indirect way where we go like, but I've already worked on that. Why is it not gone yet? And what we're doing and saying and doing that is saying like, no, this is this is not real. I'm invalidating my own emotion. This shouldn't be here because I've already done the work, right? But clearly, if the emotion's there, the work's not done, right? So accepting that, accepting that the emotion exists at all. And a lot of the times that does some of the work is just being like, okay, I am in judgment of myself. Okay, I feel guilty. Okay, I feel ashamed of this thing that I've done or this thing that I think. Okay, I feel embarrassed and less than for my shortcomings, whatever it is, begin to accept that you feel that way. 
not that whatever you're thinking is true in the sense that like, oh, I'm less than, because that's not true. But what is true is that you feel that way. So start there. Just go like, okay, this is the way that I feel. And you'll you'll notice it it's almost feels magical. As soon as you really accept that, you almost like naturally just feel lighter in that moment. And that's a good place to start. So Neil, do you want to add anything to that? I don't. I think that actually that was exactly perfect. And I don't want to take away from that because that's exactly the point that that needs to be made. Yeah. But what I'll ask is on the other end of that coin, for the person who actually doesn't quite know that there is something eating at them, wanting to come up, an inner child having a tantrum. How does that express for the average person? What typical or common actions or behaviors can you identify that would indicate that there is maybe something there that needs to be heard? This makes me think of like a math problem when you're in like fourth or fifth grade and there's like, <laughs> if you have like these different, these many different uh, these many different types of fruit and like this many different types of whatever vegetables, how many combinations can you make? And you're like, Fuck, potato, <laughs> I forgot the, I forgot the formula for this. So I'm just going to have to figure it out the brute force way. So there are as many figured out the brute force way. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. There are as many expressions of this as there are people on this planet. But what I will say there, there are kind of two different ways you can go with this. One of them being observe yourself, observe your thoughts, behaviors, and patterns. So you might be thinking to yourself like, fuck, everything goes wrong for me. Or like, God, every day is a bad day for me. Or, you know, I I never find a guy who respects me, or I never find a girl who, whatever, it could be the same thing, right? Like I never find a person who respects me, or I never um, have friends who go all the way through for me the way that I do for them or whatever it might be. So you can realize first that there might be these stories and these thought patterns that you have, but you could also notice that there might be these behaviors. Like you might think that you are really, really close to a particular person, but like every time you're around them, you're like, oh, you know, like, why do I feel scared to hug my friend? Or like, why do I leave an interaction with this person and kind of feel like bad about myself? And you're like, but I've known this person for eight years or nine years or my whole life. Why, you know, I, I love them. They're my best friend, right? And seeing a dis- seeing the discrepancy between your emotions and your like and your your action patterns and the story that you're telling yourself about the thing that's in your life. Because seeing a gap in any of those things basically is telling you that there is an underlying belief or pain or whatever it might be that is discordant, right? Your th- your feelings, like or your your beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, and words should kind of all be in alignment, right? And none of us really have this fully, but that's kind of what we're all striving towards. And you realize that as these beliefs and feelings become more in alignment with your words, thoughts, and actions, that there is a greater sense of stillness and peace, both in you and through you, that manifests into your life as well. Now, there was one part of that that really stuck out to me that I loved, and I took a jot of it because I was thinking I was going to get a couple more minutes of Zach right there. <laughs> um, but it was, you, I think you had said the phrase of like, what is the story that I'm telling myself? And I want to hone in on that because I think that's a really powerful question. And I think that can kind of encompass everything that you would need through all this. And if we're talking about superheroes, we're talking about archetypes, we're talking about stories, movies, whatever, we're talking about people. Right. Ultimately, we're talking about the human story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 
the big piece you can pull out of this for yourself is what is the story that I'm telling myself? And do I like that story? It's going to be yes yeah. or no. I, you either will or you won't. There's no in between when it comes to yeah, that. Right? For you're sure. going to be your superhero point. or you're going to be that character that you don't like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so. yep. Am I the, am I the Eeyore of my story or am I the Christopher Robin or whatever it might yeah. be? Right. And for some of you, right. You're supposed to be the Eeyore. That's, that's the character that's amazing here. For some of you, you're supposed to be the Christopher Robin. That's the person that's amazing here, but it's up to you to ask yourself and feel into that, right? Are, what is a story you're telling yourself and what is this character that you are? Do you like that? Do you resonate with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. If not, why not? And what do I resonate with? What story do I resonate with? And then what's your transition into that? Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be, I will forewarn, I guess, against like sitting down and trying to write a story of your life, right? Because at the end of the day, right. like spirit is going to kind of show you who you're becoming. And you're in some be ways it's it. about, you're going to be taken to it and it's about not resisting it. It's like, almost like if you were on a raft on a river and the river was just kind of drifting you along really gently, but you're sitting around with an oar splashing and you end up turning the boat over. And it's like, well, the river didn't knock you over. Like you knocked yourself over by thinking that you weren't going where you were supposed to go. Right. So there's that part of it. But I also want to talk about like, with regards to stories, and I'm glad that you honed in on that, you hone, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Me either, but fucking, here we are. It's Friday night and we're, we are making jokes. <laughs> we are on the river, baby. Oh, so I'm glad that you honed in on that uh, because this gives us the opportunity to talk about, I'm really just using a lot of filler words until I can remember what I was going to say. It gives us the opportunity to talk about Where in your life you are trying to recruit people to your story, where you are trying to get people to agree with the story you have of yourself when the story is out of alignment, like, oh, like I never get this kind of thing done. Like I'm, I'm, I'm always so lazy or like, oh, I can't have this thing in my life because of this. And you like put it out there and you're hoping that people will agree with it. Like, and when your friends disagree with it and they're like, no, that's not true. Like, look at all these things that are good about you, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, and you almost feel like this sense of like this disappointment because even though the re- the reality that you're trying to create with this story is an objectively like worse uh, way of living, there's this like part of you that wants to believe it. It's that part of you that would die if you didn't believe it, right? It's a part of you that gets its identity through believing that. And so be also mindful of where in your life you're trying to get your friends or the people around you to affirm a negative story about you, because that's also a a belief that might be weighing you down. So I'm going to amend my original question and add a second question to that is Mm -hmm. what is the story you're telling yourself and how are you creating that? That work? What is the story you're telling yourself and how are you creating that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And who are are the co-authors? Oh, that's a good one. They could be your parents. They could be, your uh, your partners they could be your past partners iron um, man they could be iron, iron man. man freaking iron man he's in everything doctor strange neil and zach something <laughs> hopefully we're hopefully we're co-authoring a good story with you guys yeah. the story that you are greater than you think you are you but, are just as great as i don't know i was going to make something super amazing with that. And it just didn't come out of my mouth. So I'm just going to stop now. We all try. Now all I've I've got in my mind is Tony, the tiger and his little ascot. You're great. 
That's not <laughs> it, but that's my best attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, Neil is only wearing an ascot and no pants, so he kind of looks like Tony the Tiger right now. You have an orange hat on. You do have an orange hat on. Yeah. All right, brother. So I think we've covered some actually some good ground with regards to this topic. And I think we've like kind of sailed this one through its course. And it all started with just asking, like, do you prefer Marvel movies or Marvel series better? And it took us all the way here. It was it was a very fruitful rafting trip. Do you want to have a fine? I do. I do want to. All right. So I have one final Neil question that I'm going to ask. That's kind of fun. You may remember this, Zach, actually. Did you say trumpet roll? I did say trumpet roll, yeah. It was a little spin on it. <laughs> God damn, we should just make an acapella group. Let's do wasted. it. I actually did jazz choir in high school. So did you really? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I did. Um, do you have tap shoes? No. We, we were just saying we didn't do any tap. Jazz well, I, don't know, I, mean, I imagine Jazzy tap things. could be like a form of like step up to the streets type of like music creation. <laughs> It wasn't that intense. I don't know. Maybe I've just got Channing Tatum on the brain. Who knows? Don't we all? You just want to see me tap. That's okay. I do. Maybe you buy me some tap shoes and we'll play with it. Um, but I think you may have seen, remember this post. This is this was one of my favorite questions and one of the favorite realizations I'd had back in the early stages of Neil, doing Neil things. <laughs> I asked the world on the social medias, what did you want to be when you grew up? So as mm. a kid, if someone asked you that question, what was your answer? Because at that point, you were still fairly unconditioned by the world. And in our early years, we hold a really deep connection to our soul, to our true self, and all the things that are meant to be taken through this life. So what did you want to be when your child when you grew up and what, you what does that say about child? you? Yeah. I, when you were a child, did you want to be a child? <laughs> and what does that say about you and your values? That's mm. my final little bit there. So is that like a rhetorical question for yes. our beautiful listeners and their beautiful for ears? Beautiful listeners. You can answer it if you'd like, but I think we have another question for you. Yeah, no, answer. I don't have a solid answer for that. So, so you can go, go ahead and ask that. the question. Well, actually I'll answer for you and I'll say for me, I wanted to be Buzz Lightyear. So that ties in perfectly nice. to my belief about justice and infinity and beyond. That makes sense. I wanted, I think I really liked ninjas. I don't think I wanted to be a ninja, but I definitely loved doing karate when I was, when I was a kid. The first thing I remember wanting to be was a chef when I was like eight oh. or something like that. So Zach wanted to help people to feed people, nourish them, bring them happiness and love. I wanted to create things. That's kind of what create it was. Create things, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You wanted to create, and that's a big part of your path. So boom, boom. Hey, you figured yeah. it out. Wow. 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 Just like wow, that. Wow. As Owen wow. would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so That's a free one for you. We're gonna segue into this question, Zaggy Pooh. How do you cultivate intimacy in your relationships without talking about the past? So, for someone who's really trying to separate from the past, who's looked at it and wanting to establish intimacy in a healthy way, right? We're not trying to just like trauma bond, basically. Mm-hmm. What you got? I love this question. This goes oh, back yes. to what we're talking about. Yes, this goes back to what we're talking about with co-authoring. So the first thing that comes up when I think of this question, I mean, there's so much here. Uh, it's a beautiful question. The first thing is that you have to start to accept and believe that you are more than those wounds, right? You have to start to believe and get in touch with the acceptance that 
of all of the positive qualities about you and that there is enough about you that is good. There is enough about you that is interesting and lovable outside of the need to be nurtured, right? When we share our wounds, like sharing our wounds is a great way to build intimacy when there is the beginnings of the foundation of trust that's being built there, or just the foundation of trust that has been built there, depending on where we're at with that. But when we rely on our wounds to help us to bond to other people, what we're saying is like, I, I am, I am my wounds and the way that I am getting love is by being nurtured through these wounds. And not only are we creating, like Neil said, kind of like a trauma bond, right? Um, But we are also, we are also not allowing these wounds to heal. Like we keep picking at the scab because the wound that under that is underneath the scab is bringing us a facsimile of what we think we need. Not only that, but we can't heal the wound until we accept our autonomy over it, right? And so when we continue to use this wound and hand it to other people to say, take a look at this, this is this is the art that's on my, this scar is the art that's on my body and I want you to love me for it. We are, we are not allowing the scar to go away. So that's kind of the first thing that comes up with that. Um, and then, so... One of the things that really stuck out for me, there's, there's two things, but one of the things that I loved and you mentioned the wounds and where I take this after this is another question. I'm full of questions today. Mm-hmm. When am I beyond my wounds? God, you're curious like a cat. You basically are Tony the tiger today. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, what are you beyond your curious wounds? Like, yes. I'm, yeah. Curious like a cat. I am. And I, you should be too right? Curious about yourself mm-hmm. beyond the past. And my bigger answer to this is two words, actually. And that is to wonder and wander. Mm-mm. There is a separation from the past. So if this is where we're at, we're not really worrying about the old stuff. So let's explore what's new and let's go into expansion. Let's look at the possibilities. Let's look out to the sunset. Let's look at the stars and let it excite us and take us forward. And that's the energy that you bring into the relational relational dynamic. You create intimacy through newness, through excitement. So you get to explore not only the world together, but each other together. What excites me? What are the possibilities of life? And you get to cultivate intimacy through this way, the things that you really are excited about and you Mm -hmm. explore and expand together and you are coming, as much as you are coming in together, you are coming into the world together. New. Yeah. Wonder and wonder. I say I like that because they sound similar, but they're separated by one letter. I'm just going to explain all your jokes now. That's going to yes. be amazing on the podcast. I'm just going to explain all your jokes. You know how to interpret Neil. <laughs> I know I, how to interpret Zach. <laughs> I, love, I love what you're saying because what, what you're basically saying is like, you have two ways of sharing experiences. You can share the You can share your past experiences that this person wasn't present for, and that's how you can do this. Or you can share experiences in the present moment with this person build new memories, build, build a new, build a new set of memories from the self that you are now, instead of living in the past. And this kind of ties in with where I wanted to take this next. And and that is 
intimacy requires trust, right? Or intimacy, it both requires trust and builds trust. It's this, this infinite mm-hmm. cycle in the same way that sharing some of these wounds that you, that you clearly are doing so bravely. And I want to commend you for that. Like, it's not easy to share these past wounds. And I don't want you to think that like where you're at in your, in this part of your development is bad because it is actually quite beautiful. Um, you're willing to really share these, these intimate and vulnerable parts of yourself, but and it takes trust to do that, right? It takes trust for, of yourself and trust with this other person to do that. But you can also build intimacy and trust by showing up for each other, right? By being somebody who is trustworthy, by you know being being where you say you're going to be, doing what you say you're going what you say you're going to do for the person, uh, nurturing them, learning to predict what a person needs, and then being there for that need for them before they have to ask for it. And all of these little things, they show that you're observing. They show that you are understanding, that you are seeing a person and that you're caring, right? And all of these things build intimacy. It's like, if you know, like whatever it might be, like if you are about to go have a Sunday lunch with your family, with your mother or something like that, and like your relationship with your mother is not bad, but it stresses you out. There's like some level of expectation that your mother has for you that stresses you out. Um, and it kind of puts a knot in your stomach. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner might begin to learn that even though they've not been with you for a very long time and be like, you know, before you even get started, hand you a little trinket and be like, you know, if she starts to stress you out, you can squeeze this and think of me. Or like just kiss you on the forehead and be like, whenever you're done, I'm going to do this for you afterwards and like give you something to look forward to. And if that person did that for you, you would be like, this person, I haven't even talked about how stressed I am about this lunch with my mother yet, but this person is already predicting that I'm going to be out of sorts and is trying to take care of me prophylactically. And that makes me feel seen and loved and heard, right? So you can see how that would build intimacy as well. So I'm going to ask you a question that's you're not going to like, because the answer is probably very general. (laughs) But if you were to say that you and a partner were wanting to build intimacy right now, so we're separating from this question a little bit and just looking at in terms of intimacy, Mm -hmm. what would you do or what different things would you consider? God, I mean... (laughs) You're right. I don't like that question because it is so general. Like, <laughs> you know, what is my partner like as a person? You know, what do they like? What do I like? What things do we connect on? What brought mm-hmm. us together? Why is there attraction? Why do we feel magnetized to each other? What is our purpose in being in each other's lives? Like, what is there to do around you? What is there to do within you? And all of these different things. So I might have actually just answered the question with like just you did. a bunch That's of exactly questions. what I was about to say. You guys just hang out and answer those questions together and you will become very intimate. See, Neil and I just <laughs> built intimacy because he could predict what my answer was going to be like before asking it. And here you're we are. Synchronous today. I feel seen and heard. Well, you're not validated. Well, so. you then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fun one though, to answer that. Okay. You and a partner just want to go have some fun. Sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And that is the answer to this. You want to go have some fun, build some intimacy. What do you do? Honestly, I probably would actually go sit in a tree and go K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Honestly. That sounds really fun. I love climbing trees. Like if you have a if you have a partner who's playful, like I love climbing trees and just like being silly. It's like for me, a lot of the times getting in 
getting in touch, helping this person get in touch and yourself get in touch with a part of yourselves that you don't normally get in touch with. So like, if that's like kind of being silly and being like a child, like sometimes, you know, I'll pick my partner up and spin her around and I'll run around and like sing Disney songs and ham it up and like be silly. Um, sometimes it can be showing them the depth and stillness that lives inside of you. And so like whatever, driving them up to a lookout point and staring at the stars together and just sharing deep, intimate silence together, right? You know, it does, you don't always have to fill space to build intimacy. Sometimes you, you create space and allow the person to fill it. We're going to do this one together right now. We're going to make it beautiful for the audience. One of the things I wasn't going to go this route because I wanted it just to be fun, playful things that you can do together because it's springtime and, mm -hmm. you know, we get to have fun. But one of the things you can also do is just not fill in the silence. And you sit and gaze into each other's eyes and just let the gaze hold and breathe. And that will build intimacy like a mother lover. So mm -hmm. Zach and I are standing to each other's eyes and things are happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the tree is K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And you I fucking me right now. I'm also bringing through the voice for you. The voice of Neil. <laughs> yeah. As I stare into your eyes, like the whole color is just blending together. You just look incredibly gold. <laughs> I was going to say... I have this bright light in my eye, so my mm -hmm. eyes are a little extra squinty. Oh, I thought my beauty was just making you <laughs> so, have like watery eyes. I thought that's what it was. I was crying. I was feeling your heart chakra through your eyes, and I was feeling your soul. Looking me in the eyes, and I was like, God, what a beacon of love. But you actually are all gold. Your background and your lighting right now is exactly that. So Look at us. We did a terrible job of that intimacy exercise. We just talked the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> But for the sake of having a podcast, that was fine. <laughs> that was fun. I enjoyed that. I thought everyone else would enjoy it too. Yeah. But that's actually one of the things I want to touch on there. If you do a practice like that, like a silence practice, and you know, I say, I say practice because doing something like staring into each other's eyes and committing to a, to a quiet few minutes or whatever it might be, it, it feels like a practice. And I want you to know that it builds intimacy in a very intentional way on like, you know, how going on a date or predicting a need or whatever can be a little more unspoken doing something like this is like a very intentional, like we're sitting down and we're getting in touch with each other at a it level beyond a language. Exactly and what it, you said. You will feel uncomfortable, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we all, maybe we've even been with our partner for like five years and we're like, I'm comfortable around this person. I should put the door open. Like it, you might feel very comfortable around the person, <laughs> but you'll be surprised when you're staring into somebody's eyes for five minutes, you can see them seeing things in you that mm -hmm. you're not, you can see them almost picking up on your thoughts and vice versa. And you will start to squirm and you will get to see very quickly where the edges of your comfort level with yourself and with this other person are. That's exactly what I was going to say. If you want to figure out whatever it is that that narrative that you hold is, that story mm -hmm. that you hold, do that because your biggest doubts will come up in that moment because there is a level of presence and vulnerability that we aren't used to from people, that we aren't used to from our partner, that even Zach and I aren't used to with each other, that comes through that exercise. Mm -hmm. Because everything is still, everything is silent, and all there is is you and the other person eye to eye. It's a lot. Yeah. But there is 
depth and connection that is created through that. So absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it takes it, it both once again takes and builds trust because you you will start to realize that a person will start to see things in you that you are not consciously disclosing to them. They will start to see, it depends on the person's sensitivity, but they'll start to see, you know, your your inner fears. And they maybe might not know exactly what those are, right? They're not hearing the words of it, but like, you know, you can start to feel, okay, a person is pushing against me here. Like I'm looking at them and, you know, I can feel them getting angry or I can feel them getting scared or I can feel them pulling away or I can feel them fearing that I'm going to leave because I'm seeing something in them and vice versa. You'll start to feel that about yourself. Like, oh, they can see that I feel that I'm not enough. Like they can see exactly what aspects of my personality are bravado and not, you know, authentic, you know, what parts of me are my defense mechanisms. It's, um, it's a powerful practice going to flip that as well and say that they will see the the deepest parts of you that they love to death. And that will also more likely than not make you squirm and uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of the times the things that we're really uncomfortable to look at are the things that are actually our greatest gifts. Yeah. So with all that said, what is the story that you're telling yourself? Everybody, the final words from Tony, the tiger. Thank you, boo. I'm just going to say, and let the story that wants to come up, come up. Not the one that your brain wants to tell you, but let the story of your life as it wants to exist start to come to the surface. And especially for this listener too, you know, letting, not, not like just letting go of the past and being like, that didn't happen, but allowing the parts of yourself that exist as you are now to catch up to you. And like leave space for your new story to fill that, to fill that space. And you realize that as you start to fall in love with who you are now, the weight of your past will start to go away because you don't need it anymore. Well said. We love you guys. <laughs>